G'day citizens of the Mortal Realms, AOS Coach, and we are here not talking about TOs. I'm going to fix that up in a second. I was so excited talking to Nick, my guest, that I completely forgot to change the background. We are talking Cities of Sigma, and um, my guest, Nick Rao, yes, I got that right, yes. You did, um, got it. Boom. There we are. We're back. We're on city. We're, look, we're talking cities of Sigma. My my guest Nick um, had did incredibly well at the Nova Open. You went four and one, yep. and I think it's the time for cities. You know, we haven't seen a lot of good cities coming up lately. I think. Well, I kind of lie actually, and we'll get into the weeds here and why this show is happening. We had living cities doing really well. Yep. You know, we saw I think Gavin Gavin do really well with with living cities. And then that triggered this whole bunch of living cities type stuff. And then it got FAQ'd. No longer yeah. can you use that strike and fade to move forward, which meant, which meant like Forminators and Dragons and all of those things that you could use that, that had a really good shooting attack and then a combat profile. And all and, and that was kind of like, I, Nick, I don't know if it, what you noticed, but a lot of third edition cities of Sigma was very heavily um, living city. 100%. When that, when that rule changed, it kind of went, whoa, wait a second, what are we going to do? Because the rule wasn't very good anymore, so you don't want to use it. But what city is the best city? Which leads us to this discussion. So yeah. before we get into it, Nick, g'day, welcome, introduce Thank yourself, you. other than Nova, 4 and one champion of the Mortal Realms. Uh, Nick Rao, I've been playing uh, Age of Sigmar since 2.0, really enjoyed uh, kind of when they changed up the rule set, and uh, just really gravitate to cities. The idea of a bunch of survivors, just regular me and yous out there against these eight foot tall chaos warlords, you know, just trying to survive. And then having a set of uh, units that you can pull from that are so vast, so deep, and so unique that sometimes the, the opponent's going, hey, what does that do? That looks really cool. And it's just a lot of fun to dig into it. It's, it's like putting a puzzle together. So I've been doing cities for a while and I really enjoy it. I, I love cities. People know I'm a cities person. I, um, I'm i an Empire player back from like third, fourth edition fantasy. And that was my one true love. So all of those idiots, like my like I love my puffy shirts. I love my mustaches. I love yeah. my cod pieces. I love my feather and my caps. But I, I feel that same kind of feel. Like when I play Dungeons and Dragons, I love to play the human. Yeah. You know, I love this idea of these, um, even like goes back to like the, we used to have militia. We just had literally peasants with yeah. no shoes, with like a pitchfork <laughs> and like a sickle and One whatever they had from the farm, yeah. just to defend their house. And I love that underdog me versus the the big beasts and the the crazy chaos and mm -hmm. just pure brute training and regiment and, and just people um, to fight. Which is why I love cities. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that we can you know put ourselves in that type of thing. It's the you know, what would I do in this situation? When you hear the free gear captain, you know, like, all right, calling all the people or it's your watch shift or it's time to charge. Like you could be that person if you were in the mortal realms. And then what do you do in that situation? And it's, it's really cool to kind of, you know, get yourself into the game that way from a lore perspective. Yeah, there's a lot of personality in the cities. Um, you, you hear, you read a lot of the stories and like when I, when I listen and read to the stories of like the Stormcast, you can't, you can't relate, Correct. but like, I'll never forget. There was a story um, leading into the malign sorcery 
which was Malign Portents, yep. uh, which was the lead-in. And I'll never forget the story of this um, this son and father who were we, we found out were like Nurgle disease rotted or like they had an infliction. And the Stormcast started coming to their house and like, yay, Stormcast is here to save us. And the Stormcast <laughs> killed them because they're like, well, you're, you're, you're inflicted by Nurgle's rot and you need to die. And like, we can all kind of like relate to sickness and then Stormcast has come in and, uh, and it's always funny, like reading the book, like the, is it Cities of Secrets? I don't know if you've read that, that book. Um, it's based in Excelsior. Um, you, you, you see what like the guard captains think of the Stormcast, and not all of them like them. They're like, oh, oh these yeah. guys are the glory hogs. They just come in and like steal the day, and we do all the hard work. But that's why I love cities. Cities yeah. are so much fun. So, what got you into them? Is it just that the story? Is it the the us versus them? Obviously, the model range is quite deep. Yeah, I think I come at kind of uh, the way that I approach armies and the way that I really kind of want to get into them is kind of like from two points. The lore perspective first is like, can I relate to them? Do the models look cool? Is there something about them that hooks it that I can, you know, be proud of when I put this thing on the table? And then secondly is like, what are the rules? Is there some uniqueness to it? Is there something about them that are different than the rest of the meta that other people are playing? And Cities offers that in spades. There's so much variety. Each living, each city has its own uniqueness to it, or at least attempted uniqueness um, when they were made. And so, like you can say, oh, I am, you know, as you talked about living cities, or I am Tempest Eye, or I'm a wizard and I'm from Hallowheart, right? There's there's something about it where it's like I'm not just Stormcast X variety. Or are you Stormcast Dragons or are you Stormcast Judicators? No, no, no I'm Tempest Eye. And then what does that mean from there? Are you shooting? Are you fast movement? Are you KO? Like all the different aspects, you know, the, it extends further beyond that. So that's really what got me into cities was the idea that you can pretty much do whatever you want inside of cities and then even narrow it even further to fit kind of your unique play style. It's a it's a list builder's dream. It's mm -hmm. a it's both a list builder's dream and a new person's nightmare. Because <laughs> if I'm a new person, and I would never recommend cities to for, for somebody who's brand new, um, unless it was obviously your passion. If you're like, oh, I really want cities for X, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. But when you get into cities, there's so much analysis paralysis because there's there's so many internal synergies, right? You've got the Phoenix Guard type, you know, the Phoenician, but yep. then you've got the Duard and you've got the what was formerly the Wood Elves. You've also then got um, the the formerly the Dark Elves, you know, the um, the Darkling Coven. Then yep. you've got the former Empire, and it's wonderful. But then there's so many internal synergies, right? And if you need something that's melee, then you've got you know hammerers, you've got um, Phoenix Guard, you've got you know, so many different vera, you know, great sword, like, do I take great swords, executioners, Phoenix guard? Yeah. And then you just go down this path and then you it's just, it's, it's as a, as a list builder, you love it. As a new person, it's confusing. 100%. Yeah. And I think that some of those um, traps, I would say, exist because you might say, oh, I want to, I love Hydras and I want to play Hydras. So I'm going to play Anvil Guard. Well, maybe Misthaven is better. You want those flanking, uh, Hydra's coming in from the board edge or from, from nine inches out, and you're going, oh, wow, I didn't even think about that because I've been told Drakeborn Curses is where I want to be. No, no, there's there's a lot more variety inside of that. 
It's it's funny you mention that actually because I remember talking to um, a Phoenician player because Phoenician is such a contradiction when you look at, and we'll get it, folks. We'll get into the details and we'll show you all the different things and we'll discuss the rules and uh, Nick's list as well. But I know when I was like looking at Phoenician, it, it's such a contradiction because it really rewards you on let's say Phoenixes and Phoenix guards, super durable. You know, anointed on Phoenix on Phoenix has like a four up ward, twelve wounds, like it's super durable. But the allegiance ability is all that thing's dying. So it's like, am I better off putting my Phoenix build in? And this is probably one of the interesting things. You can take the same 2,000-point list and move it from Phoenician to Hammerhall to Tempest Eye, not literally change your model. Obviously, your artifact spells, but the army changes a lot just by just the rules you have access to. And the, uh, the way you have to play it changes a ton too. Because those those cities have their own play styles that are rewarded based upon those general uh, command traits or or uh, artifacts that are limited, but also and then the spell lists those trigger out different whole sets of things. But so you say, yeah, you take a, a two thousand point army and you move it across the board. Like if we took the two thousand point army that I was playing and you switched out the KO for you know Sylvaneth, like. That can't play in the same army. They do not play the same style. No. Uh, if only we could bring in Slanesh. And yes, that, oh, man. That, Maybe opening, up, opening up opening up the Christmas present a little bit. There's some other things, right? Like Cities of Sigma actually can bring in Sylvaneth. It can bring in Caradron Overlord. So if you ever wanted to bring in, um, I always wanted to start a little force, or I always wanted like a gunboat, or I always wanted to bring in some, I don't know, some balloon boys there are ways to bring in other parts of the faction and it's, and they're not allies, which is really cool. And I think, you know, the strengths of the faction really show off just the diversity and it, it can really mirror whatever you like. If you're someone who loves magic, you can build a magic. You want to have a melee force, you can build a melee force. You want to do yeah. shooting, you can do shooting. You want monsters, there's monsters. If you want like a horde of idiots, there are a horde of idiots. Yeah. Like whatever you want, yes. the build is there and they are a jack of all trades, but I think they're a master of none. You know, they're, just, they're, they're not the best at anything. They're good, they're a utility, but they're not the best. Agree. I think Cities of Sigmar is the Swiss army knife, right? It's the, you build it to cut into the meta spot and you you get the, the wins where you get them, but there's, you're never going to be the best at every piece of the army. You got to pick one thing and say, okay, I'm going to be the best at this. And here's my supporting things that are going to get me through. And I think that's what Cities does really well is, is, is cuts those spots out where where it can be successful. One thing that I was really thinking about, you know, in this particular edition, so if you're watching this, you know, um, at the time of recording, we are in Galette, um, which is all about Gladian veterans and bonds of battle and all that stuff. And when you go through our, our army, a lot of our units are GVs. There's a lot of battle line options, which is a positive. It means we have a lot of options to be scoring the proving ground you'd be able to you know handle all of the the battle tactics but as you know cities of sigma outside of like phoenix guard they die to a stiff breeze you know they don't have the best armor saves uh most of our people are gvs how how did you find that at nova being that nova uh is is certainly one one big tournament very competitive in, in the meta people go there to win it how did you find the gvs did like they died to, to a stiff breeze or or what? 
I think that kind of goes into the list building um, piece of it and trying to figure it out is how afraid of bounty hunters was I? Um, and if I'm, I'm very afraid of bounty hunters, then all of my units are going to be cheap, tradable units. They're going to do something and then die. Um, so that's the, the long beards, right? They're going to provide that bubble of that, that reroll ones to hit, but they're a four up save three up against melee and then a two up when they're on the first turn. So you're negating one rend effectively. And so I felt expert conquerors was probably the most important battalion um, for this tournament. Uh, there was two missions that were six uh, objectives, one mission that was eight objectives, one that was three, and then one that was the Realmstone cache, which is the the biggest Inflation. bounty hunter mission that you can get, right? For two turns, there's only one objective that can be scored. And so this tournament kind of shaped the way that listing was going to be, the list was going to be built. And so I went um, heavier into the GVs, mostly because I wanted that frontline longbeards. I wanted fast moving regular troops. So I went dark shards. You could go with uh, dread spears. They both move six inches and have that that good save, but you need that six inch move type of piece to it for that GVs. So when somebody goes proving grounds and picks it across the table, you're like, all right, I go 15 inches, you know, with a run. <laughs> you're just like, boom, all the way across over there. And so um, having those GVs that could get to the objectives quickly, which is what Tempest Eye does, um, and which is why I wanted them in there. Uh, and then the Longbeards, I'm not Longbeards, but the uh, Iron Drakes uh, have to be GVs because you make them. They, they're just 300 and something points. You have to put them into your battle line slot. They're kind of obligated to based on the points of everything else. But there's a good thing to be said about putting 20 you know, Iron Drakes on a center objective, which is you want them in the center table of the, anyways, with that front Longbeard screen. And so that's really putting that GV to use. There's no way somebody can just go proving grounds to deny you that. You can now proving grounds to deny them that, which happened in uh, the uh, Nurgle matchups that I was having, which is what I was really afraid of, of just like throwing 20 Blight Kings or you know 15 Blight Kings or 30 Plague Bears on an objective, and I can never get them off. But you know what I can do is I can put 40 of mine and I can take it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you play the long game, the objectives, and um, and with the amount of bodies. And I think one thing I love about cities as well with the GV is, yeah, you can feel powerless because a lot of your army can be GV, but you have a lot of battle line ifs. So I'm I'm someone who runs a lot of free guild. I'm like I mentioned, I'm an empire player back in the day. Yeah, I've got other models, but you know my my heart is with the the free guild. I can still bring a unit of Phoenix Guard in, and yes, they're one wound idiots but they're not battle aligned without the Phoenix guard general. Yeah. So, so I can, or the anointed or the anointed on Phoenix. So I can tap into those types of things. Or if I'm really worried about GVs at the moment, I've got pistoliers as battle line. I've got um, De Demis. I can't remember if Demigriffs are battle line or not, but you know, I've got be, some mounted yeah. cavalry. We were talking earlier on the stream. You've got the Drake spawn knights can be battle line. Um, or you know, like there's so many ways to fulfill your battle line that can avoid the GV if you're concerned. And actually, it's probably why I think Pistolies went up five points. And I think Outriders yeah, went up. I agree. Like, what? Like, why did Pistolies go up five points? 
because it completely skips the GV meta. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's there's sometimes where you don't want to play any GVs, where you want your your screens to be two wounds that can take a hit. You don't care about bounty hunters. And you just move it. That's what we're uh, kind of talking about with the Drake Spawn Knights, right? A three-up save? You know, like, you just two wounds get up there, and you're like, all right, clear these, clear these, and then you can get through. And so, like, they can they can make a lot of space for your armor, which is something that cities needs. Like, cities need space to be able to get all of their stuff to be used. Um, and so I even saw some ideas of, of using the idea of those 80-point uh, chariots, you know, getting taking that cheap heroes and then, you know, working off the adjutant rule and other pieces. But there is so much board occupied space that three chariots take up like across across it. You're looking at 12, 18 inches of just area denial when you put them sideways. I've been using one Stormcast chariot and it's a bit more tankier, but it costs a lot more points than the Scourge Runner or the Drakespawn chariots. But yeah, the being able to push it up the board can take control of an objective. It takes up a lot of board presence. It can take a hit and deny your opponent getting into the other parts of the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scourge Runner chariots um, and as well as, yeah, the Drakespawn chariots. There's just so many great options, which is what I love. And maybe this kind of leads me into... Is there any units with this particular edition that maybe you'd recommend, like their glow-ups or maybe things that we haven't seen in the past that maybe, I mean, hell, the last like six to nine months, it's always been about maximize your Stormcast points in yes. cities. By the way, for anyone who doesn't know that just yet, one in every four can be Stormcast and they're not allies. So it means that you can you can take a reinforced unit of dragons or Forminators or you can bring in Krondus or Karazai. Um, spoiler, I love bringing Krondus and Tempest Eye. I love Krondus and Tempest <laughs> yeah. Eye. There were some early tests where I was trying it out as like the Alpha Strike, Krondus, Aura of Glory with some Fulminators at its side. And we're like, okay, could this work? You know, like Karaz testing out. Testing Karazai, out. In, Karazai in um, Hammerhall is really good if you get the right deployment maps. Yeah. Uh, but from a glow up standpoint, I think uh, we started to see a little bit of it. And um, uh, I, I took Doria, Delaria uh, Von Dest. Um, I think she is fantastic because it gets to this idea of like, are you taking Purple Sun or yeah. are you taking Anti-Purple Sun? And if the meta is all people who can cast, having something that shoots for four damage at those casters twice, <laughs> like I was picking off Nurgle casters, dropping... Um, uh what was it i dropped a chaos uh like a chaos uh on manticore like you have a five up save now you just went to a no up save take eight damage and i just have to breathe at you and you'll die after that there was a there was a lot of these like pieces but the thing that really helped out and i think with you'll see as the city's line kind of evolves into this new stage of we're seeing it with the hexbane uh piece is that five up ward save like that's not something that's normally there on cheaper units. Like you pay the premium 175 points. Like you're talking Phoenix guard for that, that block of 10. Now you can get the Hexbane, you get a guy and you get a unit right for 180 points with a five up save. They move, they do some decent damage. They're doubling up against uh, demons and wizards, which is, you know, frankly, I would say probably 30% of the meta out there. Mm. Is, is easily things that they're going to be hitting in demons or wizards. Would you and take so, daddy? 
Because because I, I I can't justify Daddy. So you've got Darilia, which is the uh, the daughter with the crossbow, yep. and then you got Daddy uh, Gallen. Gallen yeah. is the the combat uh, old man, and I can't justify. I look at him, I'm like, no, no, no. you you do no. not want to be in combat. No, 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 no. Like it's it's cute, but at the same time, like you can spend those points better somewhere else. Like he's neat, but uh, I take a free guild guard. You know, general free guild general. You know, he's he's doing about the same damage output. He's 20 points cheaper, and he's buffing your army a lot better for synergy, right? Uh, the thing cities doesn't need is a 100-point combat hero, right? That, that just doesn't fit with the rest of what the lists are trying to do. Any other unit? So we'll talk about the Hexbane soon because I've got the War Scroll that I'll bring up because I want to talk about because that's probably one new unit that we've gotten that I haven't talked about in in a live stream. So we'll definitely get into that. But outside of the um, the Hexbane and um, like Dorilia, is there any other units that you think are worth considering or ones that may be either high in your your list choices or uh, ones that used to be hot garbage and now you know you're, you're now reconsidering them? Uh, I think one of the things, uh, if I wasn't playing Tempest Eye, I would be playing Shadow Warriors. I think Shadow Warriors are extremely important for uh, a, a Cities type of list, right? Cities lacks the ability to get to the other side of the board once the opponent puts up some type of screens or other type of things, right? You can punch through the first line, but then it becomes a slog. And getting those objectives where you just drop the Shadow Warriors in, steal an objective, shoot off a five-man unit, kill a single five-wound hero for 120 points. It gives you that ability to, like, a lot of the times they get forgotten. And when I was mm -hmm. doing a lot of testing at RTTs, like, these were things that were just, like, slowly winning you the game, where it's like, okay, we're all fighting here in the middle, maybe a little more on my side, and now I just drop something in your back line on your back objective, kill your support hero, the whole dynamic changes. You have to go back and deal with it or you give it up constantly. And the way objectives are scored with hold one, hold more, or hold one, hold two, hold more, getting that hold more, stealing that one, usually gives you a, a, a solid point advantage for pushing it. So I think Shadow Warriors at 120 points, you know, kind of does it. It's interesting because I used to run a lot of Shadow I always had one unit of Shadow Warriors in my Hello Heart build. But then um, I switched out to use Canary from the Daughters of Cain as an ally because I could almost, I can get one for cheaper. It's less wounds. It is less wounds. And now that the Canary can move after yeah. shooting, it does mean that. And I think it's probably one thing. <clears throat> if somebody screens really well with the Shadow Warriors, you've got to be nine out. Yeah, you can shoot at them, no problem. But it's hard to cap those objectives. But the Canary allows me to move in and then steal the objective, but they're not as durable, especially if you, is it, can, is it um, Shadow Warriors get a bonus if they're in cover? Yeah. So if you can pop them into, wound, yeah. yeah. So if you can get them into cover, there's 10 bodies. Um, I really like Shadow Warriors. The one that I'll call out really quickly, I think is a, a, a bit of a no-brainer at the moment, is the Rune Lord. Um, yeah. Straight up. The Rune Lord with the plus two to unbind. You can use a heroic action to make it um, do another unbind because it's not a wizard. So you can yeah. you can try to like just straight up trying to deny endless spells and, and magic. It's a great one. Yeah, um, it's been great for a long time. And Arcane Tome added a lot to it because now you're a wizard. You get an extra cast and deny, 
And it just says, as long as you deny, you get the plus two. So now you got two denies at plus two. That's hard for some things to overcome. And I, I like that you brought up the the allied for the um, Canary heart, heart renderers uh, piece, because that gets into the bigger discussion of, do you take the cron spine incarnate or do you not? And that that's kind of another decision tree for cities um, because the crown spine I find is extremely important for what cities is trying to do. But then there's an also path as is, is, is there more bodies and more flexibility that's better. And so that's, you know, that's kind of a good piece. I think one thing that cron spine brings is um, uh, I'm going to get to the rules. I think in a second, I think we're kind of getting into the weeds, which is a good discussion. But I think, um, you know, what's really clear at the moment is you went four and one and, you know, spoiler alert, you did have the cron spine. Mm -hmm. But on the same weekend or maybe the weekend on either side, Tom Guan went five and O with Hollow Heart cron spine. So we're definitely seeing the cron spine adding a bit of a mixture, right? And and you'll, you'll add where this comes into play. But it fills a gap that we don't have, which is that tanky, durable piece. Like... Uh, monsters that aren't heroes are what the um charybdis the um the war hydra a couple phoenixes with nobody on them yeah you don't do that (laughs) and everyone else is a hero monster Mm. um if you want to get some like a a real tanky wound type model you've got to go into like storm drake guard you've got to go into your ally pool you know you you don't have that tanky type piece and we don't have a lot of fast pieces either yes Uh, and the and the fast pieces are normally um normally heroes so um it does kind of cap you a little bit so yeah anyone else you kind of call out before we move into the rules i think we are moving into rule territory no i I don't think so i think a lot of it we we know what they what they do what they are um but i think the glow up happens when they end up in different cities when they end up in different lists and says okay it's much better in here than it is here somewhere else and and i think that's where kind of those come in yeah and what's really cool is i think you know regardless if you want to start your list with a free guild whether you want to be duarden you want to be um there's some interesting builds as you mentioned already the drake spawn knights if you want to go into either um i know this is not drake spawn knights but you want to go into darkling coven with the sorceress the little stabby stabby sorceress or you want to go into the more of the the dread spear type um other, uh, well not a dread spear the drake spawn side yeah there's so many different varieties, even like the Nomad Prince with um with the uh what's the what's their shooter the, the Glade Guard no the, what's the shooters the uh, um, sisters of sisters of thorn sister yeah, yeah sisters sister of the watch sisters sister of the thorn yes, one of them's yep. the magic horses one <laughs> is the the shooty shooties but either way like there's a lot of good list variety which is what I love about cities so what I might do is I might get your perspective on some of these things right so first mm-hmm. off. As a Cities of Sigma player, I have a lot of different sub-factions. And for anyone who maybe is newish, you might look at this and go, wait a second, where are some of these? What are some of these names I'm not recognizing? You've got Excelsius, Mistharven, Hakuron, Settler's Gain. These are additions that were added through the Broken Realm series. Yep. Um, so some of them have some additional rule restrictions. So is it Mistharven and Hakuron? Uh, doesn't have the storm keep. There was some, I know there were some changes. Har- with like Harkuron the- loses the storm keep. That becomes like uh, you get Marathi and you get the daughters of Cain, but I think you get like Darkling Coven and Shadow Blades as the other options. 
you give up a couple of things, uh, yeah. but you, you've got some list diversity. So you want to like, either way, a lot of different city rules without going into all of the rules. Cause I think we'll be here for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, are there any particular cities that you think play well to the meta right now? Um, I think the biggest ones to the meta right now are Hallowheart, uh, Tempest Eye, um, Anvil Guard, or Mist Haven, uh, which is kind of a, the, the take on Anvil Guard, only because of the artifacts uh, that it gets. Um, but I think that we've we've kind of fallen away from the Phoenicium piece uh, because of Bounty Hunters um, and not being able to take as many of the uh, Phoenix Guard as we, we were able to do before. And then Hammerhall, unfortunately, they got a lot of cool stuff. But like you said, the deployments get real weird on some of those missions. And it's hard to get into your opponent's territory to maximize that. And so I have six, you know, or I get six extra command points uh, from my banners, right? There's only so much I can do in a turn with the, the stuff that I have. So um, Honored Retinue didn't really come up much. Uh, it's usually one of those things you remember when you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I need to not let this guy die. Storm keeps the most important rule of cities making it function at a competitive level. Um, adjutant is nice, uh, but you're going to get two command points out of it for the game, probably on average. Amplified sorcery. If you're playing Purple Sun, like if you're playing hard into the uh, the um, uh, endless spells, yeah, absolutely. That that's going to take you over the edge. All right, lots to unpack here. First off, I agree with your uh, perspective on the cities. Hammer Hall is um, one that I flirt with a lot, but unfortunately it's not the one that I want to marry just because um, it allows you to have, if you're in um, opponent's territory, wholly within opponent's territory, it allows you to fight um, with a command point. You can fight for a second time, which is really cool. Imagine getting a, you know, a bunch of dragons or forminators or uh, a frigid general on Griffin or a prime or like whatever your, your, your combat monster is in your list. Having it fight for a second time can be potent. You know, I, I mentioned, I mentioned Krondus and Karazai, but some of the, the the deployment zones are so restrictive at the moment. They're so small or they're so janky. It is hard to get into wholly within their territory. Yeah. And, and, and that is really your one big synergy piece. So for me, Hammer Hall is a bit hard to do. Probably not. Uh, I don't want to put all my chips on, on the table. Miss, uh, Tempest Eye, the plus three to move and plus one just to save in the first turn is awesome. Um, Hello Heart. I, I'm curious, Nick. We know Lumineth and we know um, Zench are coming pretty soon. They're coming real soon. Yep. Do you think the value of Hallow Heart being the magic city, getting um, boost to having more spell laws, having more boost to casts, do you think, and some also some like some um, magic resistance too? Yeah. Do you think that will become more important with the emergence of a magic domination of Zench, Lumineth, and Seraphon. Seraphon's been doing really oh, yes. well, and Nighthorn is doing really well, and you need those mortal wounds. There's not a lot of mortals in cities. True. Um, do you think maybe Hallowheart has a – is like the, the the rising champion for, for this emerging meta? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, that was the deciding factor between was I going Hallowheart or was I going Tempest Eye at Nova? Because those are the two – that you know will give you the top end performance kind of results based on cities when you're looking at the, the capabilities that are in there. Um, but the magic resist was the biggest thing I thought Hanglehart had 
that ability to ignore these heavy magic casting armies, um, you know, just on a five up or on a four up, if you, you're using the Crystal Aegis, um, the extra casting and everything, a lot of people have dispels, a lot of things, people have that, um, but you're trying to get that 18 inch bubble or that 18 inch zone control where then you just start unloading those more wounds. Like if you can establish that, Hallowheart turn two, you're going to figure out who wins the game right there. Like after mm -hmm. that second magic phase, when everybody's in and you've got that turn two, um, that's that's pretty much where those goes. If you're trying to do cute things like we used to do, which was like bridge of um, soul screen bridge and bringing a bunch of people along, so you get the you know the high casting. Uh, I think armies are set up to to kind of avoid that screen out. That deployments don't really fit uh, those type of things anymore. And so I think just Hallowheart having that as the passive, that magic resist, and then also having the ability to just dump mortal wounds at 18 inches is really where you want to be with that. And then that, that's why I think you'll see a rise in them. But also if we start seeing more auto dispels or you're feeding into Zinch, if Zinch gets up there, right? You don't want to start giving them, you know, pink horrors and other screens of blue horrors and just constant. That, that gets very difficult to get people off objectives. I was talking to to Tom to Tom as well, Tom Guan, who who went five and zero with Hello Heart, and I'm, I'm trying to work out his list. Like I had a rough feeling of what he was trying to do because the linchpin of his army was a battle mage on Griffin along mm -hmm. with the Cronspine, yep. and the the combination there is that he, uh, the battle mage on Griffin gets plus one to cast, which is awesome. Um, but the spell he really wanted to cast was Warding Brand. Yes. So if he casts Warding Brand, and if anyone doesn't know who Warding Brand is, um, you pick one unit of yours, and basically um, uh, every time the model takes damage uh, on, and it's not negated on a four-up, the attacking unit in melee takes one mortal wound. So if you pop that onto the Cronspine, who is already taking a lot of damage and is fast getting into melee, and it's bouncing back mortal wounds in addition to the damage... Like, it's beautiful. But yes. if you don't want to use a Cronspine, that's fine. Put it <laughs> yeah. on a bunch of dragons. Put it on a, I don't know, Free Guild General and Griffin. What I used to do is I would put it on a Phoenix Guard. So if, if you know, if they're trying to protect my Huracan or my Luminarch and they get into for, for combat, I'm super tanky and I'm doing damage on the way out. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually ran that for two weeks in a row at different RTTs. Uh, ended up two and one on both of them. Um, with that exact same combo, that that idea of the Cronspine takes infinite damage, i.e. It it, there's no cap to the amount, mm. and you just can throw it into, I think the biggest thing that I was beating was the Iron Jaws, right? They want to fight. You're like, fight, please. Like, I will just take it. You rend too, please, more rend. Like, I want you to do as much damage to the Cronspine because you will have nothing left in your army when it's done because you're just going to deal that damage back. Plus, you've got things like Ignite Weapons for the plus one to wound. You've got, you know, Elemental Cyclone. You pop it through a uh, an Umbral Spell Portal. Like, there's so many great yep. little combinations of synergies, which is, again, kind of why I think some of those cities really work. But I think you you made a good comment. I know uh, a, a good mate of mine, Austin, loves uh, Mist Harvin. You know, there's a lot of movement synergy in Mist Harvin, some deep striking and... Um, it does build you towards more of a like a dark elf with the uh, darkling coven and the um, the Drake spawn type builds. But there's a lot of good. It, it depends on your flavor and depends on your play style. And I think again, whether you want to be offensive, defensive, magic, shooting, whatever you want, there's something for you in cities. Absolutely.
question I want to ask you though about that because you kind of rushed through some of the rules. I just want to get some clarity on some of these things. The the adjutant rule. So basically, um, on a four up, you can get an extra command if your general has a wound characteristic of six uh, or less, uh, and you got a supporting hero very similar. Would you take two foot heroes, make one general for the sake of getting the adjutant rule, or is that just a nice to have if that's how you build your list? An absolute nice to have. Um, I wanted the Rune Lord, and I knew that I wanted the Rune Lord to be the general. And so if I'm doing that, and I know I want another hero, which was Deloria, I was like, okay, cool. These two want to stand next to each other. The the general or the the command trait giving a plus one to wound makes it so Deloria's wounding hitting on twos, wounding on twos if she doesn't move. Right, that that's huge. And so the nicety was the couple times when I'd get the you know extra command point. Out of it so you roll for your command point for your heroic action and then you roll for your command point for your uh adjutant so 75 percent of the time you're getting an extra command point um to use on your turn which is nice but like there's times i also sent the rune lord to go do his own thing because deloria was in a great position to keep shooting and i didn't want to move her it means you're going to have two heroes within three inches of each other. Mm. I give it up a lot. I actually avoid it because sometimes I'll want, like, for example, when I've done some of my Tempest Eye lists in the past have been based around the Dreadlord on Black Dragon and Dragspawn yeah. Knights. I, I, I want uh, a hero that is more than six wounds or my free guild general on Griffin is the general. So yeah. it depends on who it is. I, I will give it away. A four up is, is not that great. Um, I guess it depends on the build. I, I more wanted to think, like, is it worth, tweaking a list around it um, i don't think so yeah which then kind of leads into the same thing right the honored retinue if you want to kind of help protect and ward your six wound general um and you have it next to a, a bodyguard awesome uh it can bounce wounds back so if you're running i don't know a sorceress on foot and you've already got those uh, those those idiots that you want to stab for the <laughs> plus two to casting well this is already native like yeah. you've already got it but um, if you're going to build your army around a Rune Lord, you're probably already hanging around, you know, Iron Drakes or some type of foot troop. Yeah, and I, I think this is really comes in in specifically, I think, the Zinch matchup, where they do six mortal wounds through the portal and just go, okay, I'll kill your hero. You're like, no, you won't, right? Because that four-up's going to give you that ability to survive on two wounds remaining or something like that if math all comes out, right? And so that's that's kind of a nicety of it. But really, other than that matchup, you're just you're just not only gonna use it when it's available. Like it's like, oh, and you gotta remember the rule for it. I, I never forgot it, but it's a nice to have. It's mm -hmm. a nice to have. Um, because I used to use a lot of my general used to be um the free guild guard on foot because yeah, I always that makes use, sense. I, yeah, I and I always want to use his um his his command to get the boost to the shooters and stuff. Um, is there any particular endless spells you think that work well with cities? I know when I played Hallow Heart with my Phoenix Guard, I'd love Emerald Life Swarm. Um, it no longer double taps now. Yeah. I, I still think it's valuable because of that because they're just so durable. But is there any particular endless spells that you like um, in cities? Uh, I played lots of different endless spells as I was trying them out. Uh, obviously the purple sun is king, right? Like it just with, with what it does in a competitive environment, 
you either have to make a, a reasonable choice to say, I'm going into the purple sun or I'm not going to the purple sun. And you have to have a good reason one way or the other on doing that. So barring the purple sun, I think Ravenax Ashen Jaws works really well. Very, uh, it get, comes out easy. You've, you've got it, you can dispel it and cast it again, lots of different actions, uh, but it's passive damage. Things that do passive damage uh, for your army because you're not going to maximize the same amount of damage as another army is going to do, right? But you're going to get all these little chip damages, these passive damages piece. Um, I think I would like to do more with the, uh, the Geminids. The ability to stop redeploy um, is, is super important. Uh, but I think because it stops at the, the combat phase and says, that's that's really where I want it. That's really where I want it to stop that. Because you're trying to stop redeploy and you're trying to stop all out defense. Um, and you can stop all out defense in the shooting, so it does the same thing as kind of the purple sun with the minus one rend, um, but on a cheaper level, uh, I could say. Um, but at the same time, like, is that 40 points worth it? Is that 40 point better used somewhere else? I think as well, I think a couple of the other ones I really like is Horrorghast. Um, oh yeah, yeah, because because that's what I really want Geminids to do is I won't be able to stop um, uh, inspiring presence. And yep. if I've got a, a unit of I don't know forty crossbowmen, or if I've done a whole bunch of damage, we do struggle for damage. And um, yeah, purple sun's gonna be great to give your I don't know your handgunners rend two or your crossbow with you know the double shots you know uh, rend one. It's very good. But horror gas can then help reduce those uh elite units that you know we struggle to kind of you know kill them and you know you've got you know eye for an eye or something uh the other one um i was going to talk about was quicksilver swords i really enjoy yeah. quicksilver swords because we need the mortals and i can't rely on the hurricanum to do it so it, it's a nice way to, to to do that yeah i think those are both options um for what you're doing and i think uh as you were talking, the um, horror gasp gives you something else that we struggle with: is the ability D3? to stop. Yeah, and, and uh, the ability to stop rally, right? Rally hurts us a lot. Um, I lost the the before to bone splitters, uh, just rallying all the time. Um, the uh, what's it called? Daughters of Cain. Yeah, rallying up, rallying up on fours is just like too much. But if they had not been able to use the inspiring presence for the eight ones I killed before they would have all gone away and I would not have had to worry about it. So I think horror guest does give that option for shooting heavy armies to mm. be able to stop getting rallied on. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. There's a couple of uh, look either way, like whatever your flavor is, I think uh, there's some good uses of, um, of amplified sorcery and there's some good ways to get pluses to cast as well so not only do we have you know, things like hurricanum that can give plus one to casting or the luminar for plus one to unbinding you've also got the amplified sorcery um really quickly is there any stormcast units that you really like or uh, are worth considering adding in from a coalition point of view again they're not allies they're coalition so it means they can't be the general they don't count as your battle line but they are essentially a part of your force and Different cities here also double down on this. And as Nick's already alluded to, Tempest Eye lets us do one in four Caradron Overlords. Um, Living City does one in four Sylvaneth. Um, it means I could bring in Alariel, even though she's much more uh, than my ally pool, I could bring Alariel or Durthu or um, whatever it might be into my Living Cities. I could bring in a big boat from Tempest Eye. 
Um, but back to Stormkeep, anything in particular that you really like? Would you bring I, in like the Night Encantor? I, I think so. I think there's there's definitely spots where Night Encantor, like if you're not going into the Rune Lord aspect, like Night Encantor flips that and says, okay, I give you the thing that stops the one thing that's going to kill you. Against Zinch, it's the, the um, portal, right? If they can't portal to you, you've got a lot of options to then start shooting them back. Um, but also like... Obviously, the Fulminators still rock, right? You need something to go out and punch somebody in the face. That's what Fulminators does. But if you're not going to put um, units that are going to take a hit, I think Protectors uh, gives a lot um, because that extra save, even in Tempest Eye, they move a little faster. That's something that I was deciding on uh, between that and Paladors, right? With the ability to teleport uh, or the ability to like create a front line that just does not move. Um, and so... You know, you can get these these types of units that are are doing that. Um, I think another one that could be really helpful uh, if you're going into a shooting piece and don't want to take Deloria, you can take the uh, the Knight Judicator, right? You, you've got six damage at range. Um, you've got uh, some screens with the, the couple of dogs. But, you know, do you want to spend the 200 points versus the 115? You know, like it, it, it kind of checks out on like all right where do i want to be with with my list not with nighthorn at the moment this is an argument yeah, that i've been exactly. playing with at the moment um because i've been playing stormcast lately um the model that i'm obsessed with at the moment is the celestant prime oh, and the yeah, reason yeah, i yeah. love him as well is he's self-sufficient he has mm -hmm. a four-up ward that has nothing to do with your faction he can deep strike nothing to do with your faction um, he can do mortal wounds from his bomb. He can guarantee charges. Um, he can uh, do a whole bunch of damage. So um, he is he's a great 300-odd point hero that I think that's probably one thing that we lack is a tanky well, – I wouldn't call him tanky. I mean, the four-up ward assassin, Something – a really yeah, strong he, assassin that's reliable, can take out other heroes, you know, even monstrous heroes. Um, I, I think that's that's something that – that he does very, very well. And I think yeah. you see that in the, the, the Seraphon list and why they take him because they lack that as well. And they go, okay, I'm going to need something that does it. Because we lack speed and we we lack a killy hero. Our best mm -hmm. killy hero internally would be the free guild general on Griffin. And I say that like, that's our yeah, best exactly, killy hero. Exactly, internally, yeah. the best killy hero. And I'd say he's like a, a bit of a fluff piece at best. Yeah. We our best deep striking. I mean, outside of allegiance is the shadow warriors. They're not they're not guaranteed damage. So no. um, I use prime to come down and desecrate their land. Yeah. Um, I've used it to eye for an eye. I've used it for so many different battle tactics. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a great piece. But um, I think you know this is where we have we're very generous with what we can bring into our army and fill the gaps or yes. strengthen our strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Stormkeep gives you the ability to to get away from your your I would say the the things that you're going to cause you to lose, right? You're like, oh, I can't beat this. Well, Stormcast can beat this and this piece. So we'll bring that piece in. And it also gives you more list freedom once you decide on what parts you're going to shore up with Stormkeeps. One thing that got added to us in the White Dwarf, there's a couple of things we got from a White Dwarf update uh, that people may or may not have, have seen. Uh, one is we've got a couple of mount traits. It's so good we finally got some mount traits. Unfortunately, <laughs> it only really helps 50% of our faction. Um, so I, in my opinion, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, 
I love the Soaring Guardian rule. So for your um, general on Griffin or your Battle Mage on Griffin, the mount trait is uh, basically on a two-up. Um, when it dies for the first time, it's not died. It heals D3 wounds, and you can put it anywhere on the board outside of nine of your enemies. So it means that you can cap an objective. You can get out of that squishy combat that wasn't going your way. Um, you can get it out of harm's way, and if you've got some type of healing, there's a couple of cities that have like a D6 heal, you can heal that back up in your next hero phase. I love this. While the, the Black Dragon gets to do its mortal wounds on a five up instead of a six. Where are you at? Uh, I think on Fed of Breath, I think we both agree. I think with the way that you kind of set it, it's it's a six inch attack, right? Uh, okay. But the Soaring Guardian, and I think that's the reason that the Battle Mage uh, in Hallowheart is so good. Um, you don't want to, you, you have to take damage to your, your heroes to get that bonus cast. So your, your mage is usually going to be about half dead all the time. Right. And so it's going to get just shot off. Right. But at the same time, you're like, okay, let me reposition. And I won games against, um, Sylvaneth that way is like, they run up, they shoot everything into it, a two up. Okay. I'm back here. All right. Eventually, your heroic leadership, all these other pieces, you get yourself back up. Um, but they out of you know put themselves so bad in position to try to kill that that then you're just able to maximize the follow up. And so I think Soaring Guardian makes these playable. Like I don't mm. think you play them either one of them without Soaring Guardian. Uh, you can get some good saves on the Griffin mount, so you can throw them into a pile. You can do a few wounds. Eventually, they're going to bring something else in there to kill them. When that happens, you teleport to the other side of the board to prep yourself to kill these smaller units. So I think I think these were huge, and I would love to see them expanded kind of in a new thing to, you know, like you have Soaring Guardian or you have something else, right? You have well, Fetid Breath no... or something else. Well, there was no Phoenix mount. That kind of exactly, me. yeah. So the anointed on the, the flame or the frost, neither of those types of mounts get a, a mount trait, which really surprised me. Yeah, th those are some of the most popular ones to be used. And it, it seems like there's enough lore piece out there that you could easily make one for a Phoenix one way or the other. Ooh, interesting question. So, bringing this up from, from Twitch. So, why is the Battle Mage on Griffin a good pick when it's so brittle? Oh, this is this is actually one of the, I think, the coolest parts about um, having it in that, the Hallow Heart is it goes up to a two-caster, right? It, always, it has a natural plus one because you're in Gur right now. And it moves, I think, 15 inches, something like that. Something like that. Right? Something like that, 15 inches. Um, but its spell is plus two run, plus two charge. So when you give it to a cron spine, that uh, thing's going. Uh, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's the Battle Mage on foot. The Battle Mage on Griffin has a line of sight. I'm going to quickly check it, but the yeah. Battle Mage on Griffin has a line of sight damage. Pupil. Yeah, yeah, check it. Because uh, he does have Amber Spear. Doesn't it? I think, it, he, it Amber I think he also has um, the other one. I, um, I don't think he does. I'm going I'm to check it. If you do, that's hot. Oh my god, you're right. You are right. Holy shite. Holy shite. That's hard. So he does what the foot one does, but he also has the, the mortal wound range. Um, yes, he's brittle, but the soaring guardian covers that up, right? Uh, I was playing against um, Skaven, and they hit me for like 13 mortal wounds or whatever it is with the, 
12 mortal wounds with the the cannon the the warfire cannon i was like oh god and then he kills it and then i just two plus move it to the other side of the board and then it's like still there doing its job um so like you can use it also to kill other things that have you know five models uh 10 models of uh five up save type of thing those little one wound guys like you can bully things with it um for that but you're never going to put this against another hero um and they're always going to try to put their hero against it so it gives you a chance to kind of control the flow of like where different pieces are going and when i was binding it to the cron spine that makes it that if they want to come for my hero they also have to fight a cron spine and nobody wants to do that right that's not and that's not fun at all but i think the brittleness of it is is okay because it's also what 260 points right 255 and, yeah. and i think you need to put it into context right it is a wizard not a not a not a combat monster right so if you think it is your um Archeon, uh, your Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. It's not that type of run up the board and hit the chaff and go for the good stuff. Yeah, it's a five up save, but it's 13 wounds for 250 points, a fast moving mage that has two native spells and actually can 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 hit in combat. It's got some decent uh, combat. I mean, they're only rend one attacks, but it's got some good attack profiles for a wizard. Yes. And, you know, like, and I think, if, like, if you're looking for that type of mobility, 255 is pretty generous in cities. But, yeah, if I compare it to a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon or some type of other monster hero or a monster caster, yeah, but it's not it's not that meant to be that. Yeah, agree. Agree. I think that's uh, – once you kind of put that mentality to it, then you use it as a bully for small units. It moves 16 inches, so you go, that that unit that's holding the objective on that side of the board is not safe, right? You can get over there and get it. Um, and then you're out moving the other type of units that want to come fight at the other 12 inch movers who now have to go through not only your screens that you set up, but your cron spine or your other damage dealing people or your shooting, right? You want to get close enough. There's a 16 inch range of bubble that most of the, the army has for shooting. Yeah. Plus, plus, you know, like if in Tempest Die, it's a great aura of glory in living city and Tempest Die, they've both got a D six heal, um, which, you know, like I think one, one thing that I had a problem with when I played Hollow Heart is the Hurricane, which is a great caster is slow yes. and it can get clogged and, and it can get clogged up in the board pretty easily, um, by just with the troops and the, and the base size, but the, the battle mage on Griffin does have some flexibility around the side. So I, I don't want to get too much. We, 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 I think we kind of went way over, but I think it's a good mm -hmm. argument on, on the battle mage on Griffin. I think it goes back to this is one that I would reconsider because it hasn't seen a lot of play um, in my time. But I think now is a good time to reconsider, especially if you're thinking the Cronspine. Agreed. Um, we have one battle tactic. Do you find the uh, battle tactic? This is a grand strategy. Do you use this particular grand strategy where uh, if you have three, if your opponent has set up any faction terrain, uh, when it counts as three, well, uh, I, you, know, you, you score this one if you control more terrain features than your opponent. If your opponent has set up any faction terrain, then they count as three terrain instead of one when determining. Okay, cool. Okay, so I'm going to control more terrain than my opponent. Um, and if I can control 
faction terrain or they control faction terrain it counts as three so you can swing either way yeah I, I don't think we take this in in anything uh that we're doing right one it's a bookkeeper's nightmare trying to remember who has control of which piece of terrain and who ran it last that's that's just that sucks <laughs> trying to remember all of that and then like you got to be within three to control terrain but you also want to be moving to objectives and you know all this other piece but a lot of armies are going to have uh i, I know with Ideneth and others are like protect the you know their faction terrain as their grand mm -hmm. strategy you want to choose where you're going to fight these battles you don't want to be forced into their castle to try to to to, to get your grand strategy. Because those three points at the end of the game are going to be, if you're winning, you know, great. You're like, oh, I didn't get those three points. But in the grand scheme of a five-round tournament, those three points are going to start adding up where it's going to be the difference between, you know, top eight, top 16. You know, like, that. that's where those are going to start coming in. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this one. Like, I look at it and it's just more bookkeeping. And if I play to a fast army, um, yeah, okay, that's not a problem. I think, you know, again, if I do Tempest Die with Pistol Ears, um, you know, and fast things, and I could be tagging terrain as I get into combat, sure. But if I'm going with a lot of tr foot troops, I, I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it. Quick question from the chat while we're here. Uh, with Dawnbringer Crusade coming out, which we don't know when it's going to come out, that's, <laughs> I guess, the evolution of Cities of Sigma. Yeah. Um, is there any, uh, and obviously, you know, Warcom has just shown us um, some new sculpts um is there any units that you would like to see to have new sculpts um or any any updates that you'd like to see from Dawnbringers? Uh, i would love to see um monstrous hero centerpiece yeah something something really cool uh that that does it and i think um every army is kind of getting one it's it's flashy um and so i'd love to have something that i can just be like yes that's a celestial griffin or whatever it's going to be right you know like something that evolves that sculpt um into something that's a centerpiece uh also some more dynamic posing i think um of the the baseline of troops right you get two poses and you just rotate between those with what you got on on most of the line troops i think some more dynamic posing would be pretty fun this is a perfect segue for two two was it two birds one stone i want to see the return of the war altar of sigma Heck because yeah. one of the two battle tactics requires flagellants and flagellants have no internal synergy at all since they removed the witch hunters they removed the um the the warrior priests and they removed the 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 um the alternative sculpts so the hurricanum luminarch and the war altar yeah. all dropped at the same time yet the poor old war altar got dropped so i'd love to see volkmar the grim in sun return yeah. uh, because that really inspires me i love flagellants i have 140 of them i i want to run something more synergistic to the crazy religious fanatics that is the flagellants but you got two new battle tactics um i think we both agree that the sanctify is hot garbage yeah agree <laughs> yeah why I do think, you think it's hot garbage i i just like you're you're okay so you pick a friendly unit of flagellants right uh they gotta be six and outside of your territory right so you gotta get in your opponent's territory for it and then if they're still there like what they're going to die to somebody looking at them funny, 
right? The whole point of their mechanic is to die, flee, and run them over with mortal wounds. Like, you're not going to be there at the end. And so, like, it's almost the battle tactic is counter to what the the unit wants to be doing in the first place. And, and I don't think I ever want to use something where I'm like, I'm going to bet my two points on this turn on, on this thing happening. I've scored this once or twice because I love flagellants and I wanted to practice with them. And I was trying to see, you know, what the pros and cons were with flagellants outside of any eternal synergy, right? They've got a better bravery, but a, a worse save. I think they're the same price as free guild guard on foot. Yep. So, so I could get, I think they've got a better movement as well. I think they might have an extra plus one to their movement. So um, it gave me a bit more speed and they were like a nice little screen and a nice little bump. But I, I chose not to charge with them in the turn that I tried to get Sanctify. So I moved them up the board. I think I ran them to get from outside to inside. Then obviously didn't get into combat. And uh, obviously if I won the priority, I can get them into combat. If I lost it, who cares? They die. Yeah. Uh, and they, But was it enough for me to put a flagellant unit in my list? Probably not. However, um, depending on your type of build, if you are running not free guild i can't remember the conditions of flagellants being battle line if you can avoid if you have a general that's not human maybe flagellants are okay maybe because they're not gvs they could be yep. a decent screen question mark yeah i mean there, there's potential for them actually to be used effectively in phoenicium where you want things to die and you're like go die because my other units are going to be way better now I did that. I did. I did that exactly that. I did that with uh, Aether Wings as well. So my yep. Aether Wings and my Flagellants were the things that were just there to die. Um, and then obviously the rest of the points were in Phoenix type things. So um, how would I, another question from the chat, I think is an interesting one. And then we'll get to Banner's Held High is how would I run an all, all steam tank army? I, look, honestly, I wouldn't at the moment. Um, not like from a competitive point of view, um, steam tanks, they're not monsters, so they're not, they're only counting as what two on an objective. Yeah. Uh, well, the hero like they just, they don't count very much. They're a little bit unreliable for me. If they were monsters, maybe, maybe, but I don't know. They're a bit restrictive for me. I wouldn't do an all steam tank list, but if I did, it'd probably be in Tempest Eye. I think I would do mine in Hallowheart. I think giving the uh, the leader the uh, arcane tome, make him a wizard. So then you can have something to cast. Uh, so you take damage and then you steam tank heal yourself, right? So you're like getting that back. Uh, you get some good spells out of it. And, you know, you could take uh, a Lord um, uh, Arcanum. No, not Arcanum. Yep. The, uh, the one that um, does the plus to war machines. Because I think they might still oh, be the, warships. Yeah. Or yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, 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 they're still war machines. So now you're hitting on, you know, threes i think it is right it's still a cannon right you're you're, you're all in on the casino you're like are my d6s gonna go hot and am i gonna kill all the heroes on on my shots or like cannonballs in all games on versions of uh age of sigmar and fantasy right you, is it the four up is enough <laughs> right that's you know rolling that single shot is hard sometimes I'd at least want the Hurricanum as well. I think mm -hmm. that's another little, there's the plus one aura around. Um, but what, Banners Held High, is this the one that you, um, you, I, I really like this one. I think this one's awesome. I use this multiple times. Um, this is one of the ones that when you're in position in the game and you've, you're naturally, the game state has moved to get to multiple objectives, be in different places, 
uh, a lot of the times when the uh, the things let you um, you know move your models into their uh, thing, you already have your Galician vets or you have your your battle line units there. They have banners, and you don't want to use the desecrate this turn. You don't want to use um, out muscle or whatever one because you know that like you're going to get those later. Uh, taking one that that you can have that you guarantee it is is fantastic to be able to just have that flexibility. I was just freaking out for a second. I was just in my head. I'm like, wait a second. Are objectives outside of 12 inches? I'm like, yes. Normally that normally they're 15. I was I was thinking about the measurements yep. like 11 by 15. 15. I'm like, yep. no. I was just thinking for a second like the reverse order. I'm like, holy shit! Oh. All the objectives are 11. You can't even do that. No, you absolutely can because they're normally 15. But yeah, this mm -hmm. is a really good one. Most of your people do have banners, so um, if the condition is there, absolutely call this one out. I absolutely love this one. But yeah, it's good to have an extra battle tactic and. Not only that, we also got an extra unit recently. And we're about to get into the list in a second, folks, if you're wanting to hear what Nick has to say. But this is all about setting up for how to build out. Because I think one thing that we both agree on is that this is not about just taking Nick's list and running it. This is the one single way to run cities. We, we've just talked literally for an hour scratching the surface <laughs> yeah. on how to build out cities. And there's so many varieties from the folks in the chat asking about all steep tank lists to all magical supremacy, magical denial, Horde, shooting, melee, whatever. Lots of cool stuff. Um, Mist Harvin is one that it probably, I think, needs to see more play. But the Hexbane Hunters is a brand new Warcry Warband that came out, what, in the last month? Yeah. And when I saw these rules for the 180-odd points, I was Chef Kiss, and I went to my local game store looking for them, and they had sold out already. <laughs> yeah. um, I love this. What are your thoughts? Rules are on the screen. You get a hero, you get a couple of troops, but more importantly, you get some doggos. Um, a lot of cool things on there. You've got a ward saver five up for both the hero and the um, the, the troops. You have a combination of melee and uh, missile weapons. You've got a couple of interesting rules, some bo bonus to damage if you attack certain things. There's a whole bunch of rules, right? You can read it on the screen. But yeah. what's your perspective? I think this is an excellent direction for... Uh, where cities could be going with the Dawnbringer Crusade and and giving them something that gives them an identity. This is super cool. Um, and I think if I would have been able to get this a little earlier, I may have tested these and been, this may have made the list, right? Because what this does, one, the ward save, huge. That's something that's that changes the math a ton. Um, it, it changes like what type of units can fight each other. Uh, when you're dropped in on and somebody sends, you know, whatever number of plague flies at you, you're going to lose any city's lit, uh, unit that isn't, you know, a fin uh, Phoenix Guard, right? It's just going to happen. Um, but having these other options where it's like, okay, I also have this, or you can take these uh, and you can just kind of move them up to skirmish with other uh, units of the the equivalent size, and you should win those skirmishes. Most of the time, city's not going to win those skirmishes, right? When you take your dark shards or your, you know, whatever it is against another equivalent pointed unit. Uh, what are they called? Uh, the Stormcast new version of them, the ones with the stabbies, the shield, and the um, spear. Are the yeah, like that would be like the the level tier, the status quo of what skirmishing kind of units would be like. Uh, this can go head to head with that, right? We don't have that. 
than anything else. So I think I'm really excited to see the direction this is going, the ability to do ranged and the ability to do melee. It plays well off the hero, right? As you say, you pick something and then you get bonus damage against that when you're using these weapons. Like there, there's a lot to be excited about um, with this. Great screen, plays well into the meta. Um, like there's a bunch of bonus damage to death, demons and wizards all very prevalent in the meta right now um and in fact with again seraphon and um not the seraphon uh lumineth and zench coming around as well i was just looking on my phone to see because back in the day uh, they've changed it unfortunately seraphon used to have the demon keyword yes, I, was like, they used to, yes. <laughs> I was having a look really quickly to see if they still had it they don't mm. anymore i'm like yeah because seraphon's doing well at the moment as well so um, and, and just to call out a, a comment really quickly on the incarnate from Matt, I think it's a really good one as well. Um, the incarnate, when it dies, just to go back and we'll talk about in your list, when the incarnate, when it dies, it actually doesn't get any, doesn't get worse. It actually gets quite, it gets good. way better. <laughs> so you can pair it with like a, a small wizard, like the sorceress on foot. And if she dies, cool, it goes wild. And I've actually seen people purposely kill that, that bounded mm -hmm. hero in turn one just to get a wild uh, run and charge type incarnate. It doesn't need to be given all that attack because it gets it natively. Um, it's just so good. So yeah. Um, but anyway, Hexbane, great addition. I I will add it to my list. I think it's a definitely one. Normally Underworld's a hit and miss. This is a hit. Hit. Absolutely a hit. Yeah. These are like, yeah. Half of them are like, I would never, they're cool alternative sculpts, but this um, is a hit. But speaking of hits is Tempest Eye, which is what you ran. And before I show the list, I want to kind of get into your head. Like, what is it that you were trying to do, right? So you've got uh, a bunch of rules. You've got three different rules. In turn one, you get add, you get to add plus three to movement for Tempest Eye units and plus one to save in both of the, the turns in turn one. Um, you get to add plus one to your run rolls for Tempest Eye units. You also can get one in every four to be KO. Uh, and then there's a command ability that in the shooting phase uh you can shoot and run yep yeah so I, I think when i was looking at which city i wanted to run uh i started with the event pack like what was the missions i was going to have to get after um and so i was deciding between hallow heart and tempest eye uh, when i saw the amount of objectives six objectives on two of the missions eight objectives on one i said i need mobility i need things that can move and so um that's kind of where I leaned heavily into Tempest Eye and said, okay, I need to um, make sure that I have that ability to get across the board. I have the ability to absorb an alpha strike, uh, which would be Iron Jaws or others. Um, and then that, that shooting piece of it, which is inherently built into it with the command traits and the rapid redeploy, um, gives you your own little alpha strike back uh, when you're almost always going to be given the first turn, right? Uh, if you take Battle Regiment, maybe not so much. I felt Elkford Conquerors was a little more important um, for the, the event uh, and maybe more important overall for cities, but I think that's up to debate on list building. Um, but in doing so, having something that could be given the first turn and still be able to do something with it. And I think that's where I settled on Tempest Eye. Yeah, I really like the defensive play because the uh, alert and forewarned, getting the plus three to movement, it means your standard foot troops, which are what, base five? If you're Dewad and it's base four, four, now they're moving seven. 
that's seven without a run roll. So to be able to get board presence, get onto an objective, if if you don't take battle regiment and get given turn one, you can really position yourself well on an objective. But if someone does take the first turn before you put any of your buffs on, well, beautiful, you've got plus one to your save and you can absorb a lot more damage, right? Let alone put in all that defense and anything else, yes. right? Absolutely. I, I, that's what I love. I love it. Or if I get turn one, I can move forward. And then if they do charge me, I still get plus one to my save. Yeah, that, that was an incredibly important part on certain missions is that they'd give you that first turn and they were not aware that you were about to move 14 inches on them. Like these little dwarfs just, you know, four inch move, three inch uh, bonus. If you give them the six inch on the thing or they roll the run, right? All of the units have a plus one naturally, right? With their musician, then you get another plus one, right? You're Good adding battle five. Mage. Yeah, like you're adding you're adding five inches flat to your run before you even calculate the run and the unit's movement. And so just getting up on those objectives, standing there and saying, okay, come fight me, uh, or getting up there and saying, do you want to come fight me? I have a screen plus behind them is a set of iron drakes who are about to unleash hell on you, which happened a couple times in the Stormcast match would help beat dragons. Uh, sure, you charge my unit, you're going to shred that unit, but you're going to take an Unleash Hell from the unit behind it on that first turn. Yeah, I dig that. And, you know, like there's so many other cool things, right? You know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the foot troop idiots um, with like Outriders of the Realm, their musicians already give them like a plus one to run yes. well. So in Tempest Die, you're plus two to your run. Yep. Uh, obviously, you can't use the command forward to, you know, you can't use the command because you're going to get the pluses to that. You, you, it's either flat six or it's two plus dice roll, um, which is is quite generous um, and keeps those CP up your sleeve because rapid redeploy is a really good one, especially if your shooting unit um, is maybe doing mortal wounds. You don't care about needing all that attack. Um, yep. I know I really like using all that attack on my pistoliers, but even then, I think they can already run and shoot anyway. Or it's, there's something we yeah anyway yeah yeah pistoliers uh is it run and shoot or the the other ones are run and shoot. One's run and char or charge One's and shoot. And the others. Yeah, yeah, retreat and shoot. With with your KO, um, do you bring in carriage and overlords? And are there anything in particular you really like? I know for me, I really liked gun haulers, or I would take because gun haulers gave me that. You talk shadow warriors and being able to like come in from reserve. I found gun haulers in Tempest Eye were exact same. Um, it was a bit more durable. I obviously had a better armor save and I could also bring in the balloon boys, the, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, engine Sky, riggers. Sky, Sky Warden or engine riggers. Yeah, Sky Wardens and engine riggers. I could, I could hitch a ride with those engine riggers on a boat so that I would drop from the sky. I'd have my gun hauler and then I would also have a couple of bodies that hitched a ride on the gun hauler to, um, to, to be going for objectives, charging in. Um, that's how I was using KO, but I've also seen people using the big boats. Anyway, do you like KO? Would you bring them in or is it diluting your army a little bit too much? Uh, I found that KO was essential for the army for the way that I was playing it. But I think that there's a, there's a uh, argument on not having KO in the list as well. Um, I wanted to, as you talked about, the shadow warrior aspect, the ability to teleport around the board um, and then bring some Sky Wardens with me. Um, I 
helped me get multiple objectives multiple times, right? You put one unit that caught counts as two over there, and then you bring six along with you. So now you're, you know, eight to their five, uh, which usually if they put a monster or a hero or something like that, or you a 10 man unit, you shoot the other ones that are on there, right? You steal objectives a lot of the times uh, with that. Or other times, uh, because of the the uh, Tempestide huge movement, say you can't, they, they screened you out so you can't get in behind them. A gun hauler gets a plus six movement at any time. It's going 12. It's going three more. You're running. That thing can go 24 inches across the board. You're just like, and you're there. You're, there's just nowhere to be. Like, if you really have to get there, you can get on an objective or... You just go stand in front of somebody at a choke point and say, okay, you got to kill this 10 wounds with all these save, you know, a three up save, and then you give it a, uh, or a four up save, go into a three up, and then you can give it all out defense if you want to. And then when it's all done, it doesn't degrade. So you can always fly high out. I always used it to pull my opponent apart. So I would yeah. put a, like a deep strike on the, either of the flanks and it's hard to screen out one gun hauler. And then I'm shooting off screens or I'm going for like that, yep. the, the buff hero and I'm just spraying at them and annoying them. Right. So it's like, do I go and handle that? Do I come for this main force or I'm clearing off the screens in preparation for my force to charge uh, with its plus three to move. So uh, I, I do think there's some good stuff in, in, in KO that uh, you can tap into a couple of quick ones. Do you have a favorite command trait? Uh, Hawkeye. Fantastic. Plus one to wound on all missile weapons for a 12-inch bubble. That's huge. Uh, I think if I went free guild uh, Griffin, I would take Swift as the wind. But I think Hawkeye is is the one that you build your list around. I love all three, actually. I've used Swift with the wind um, with like a combat Dreadlord on Black Dragon yep. so it can run and charge. Um, I've used the um, the Aether Guard Captain to, if I've got something that I want to charge, so other things that want to charge, I can get that plus one, so I can't guarantee I can't fail a three inch up, mm -hmm. which is always helpful. But yeah, Hawkeye is probably the one I go to the most, um, especially because I'm building through shooter units. Yep. Favorite artifact? Arcane Tome. It's not on this list. <laughs> All right. Outside of that, <laughs> uh, Patrician's Helm. Uh, the ability to uh, stop Battle Shock. Right. It saves you a command point. So Seerstone Amulet gives you a command point, but if you're just going to use that command point for Inspiring Present. Just take Patricia's helm. I, I, I've used a Zephyrite banner a few times. And again, if I'm going the, uh, the Aether Guard captain along with Zephyrite banner, that kind of is a guarantee that I hit those charges, especially if I'm trying to hit multiple charges at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then favorite spell spell of the spell law? Uh, Strike of Eagles at a ranged uh, character. I killed off, you know, the, the two times it got through for casting. One of them was five wounds, the other was six. I was like, well, Dice, I guess you've been waiting all day to cast this. You know, but most of the times you're getting a three damage, a three mortal wounds at range, if you can cast it. Aura of Glory, fantastic if you're in that charge list, though. That's huge for, for charge lists. Yeah, Aura of Glory is my number one. I talked about the Battle Mage on Griffin being that beacon of, like, being getting plus one attack. Um I've used it on like my dragons. Like I've used Stormcast, Stormcast dragons to get that plus one attack going for the charge um, with Ren 2 damage to um, Brilliant because they get the keyword of Tempest Eye. Um, Celestial Visions is nice if I've got like spillover spells that I, I want to choose, yeah. but you're right. Like Aura of Glory, Strike of Eagles are probably the two ones that I really like. Great. 
which gets into your first list, which then goes into this is your Nova list, right? So you've yep. got Tempest Eye, Shadow of um, sh Show, Shadow, Show of Dominance. What Shadow Warrior talk? Uh, show of Dominance. <laughs> um, you've got a Rune Lord, which you've completely stacked, is a general, Hawkeye, uh, Arcane Tome, Strike of Eagles, and you've got the Heal spell, followed by Derilia. Um, our little wizard sniping crossbow. We've got 10 long beards. You've got 10, 20 iron drakes, 10 dark shards. You got your gun hauler, six sky wardens, two uh, forminators, three paladors, and a cronspine. The irony of it all is that when you look at cities of Sigma, when you got one in every four is stormcast, one every four is KO, it can really be just two out of four is cities. Yeah. And I think that's where. Cities does something really well in this list, and that's shoot, right? And that's where the Iron Drake perform the screens, move the stuff, right? Uh, and then so the Stormcast are doing the melee damage. They're doing the bounty hunting piece. And then the Gunthaler Skywardens, they're doing the harassment, right? They're all doing a different piece of this list that needs to be done, which then is all kind of tied together with the Quran Spine, which gives the list something it doesn't have and most um cities list don't have and that's the space to operate and do all of these things when you send a cron spine up the center of the board right that's two turns or at least a turn and a half that your opponent has to dedicate nearly a, a majority of its army to or just let it live uh ignore it so um that gives you so much room to set up to move to harass to get to other parts of the board to lock up objectives to make them come to you and so as I kind of went through this uh, thing, you talked about the Rune Lord being stacked, right? That's where we get stuck on the idea that we have one hero and then one named character. So somebody's getting all the toys. And that was the Rune Lord. Um, it fits well because the the uh, Arcane Tome gives it the extra deny, uh, the extra unbind and the extra uh, dispel, which is cool. Uh, it, the casting is neat um, for it. Natural uh, thing that he had was the his own uh, spell or his own chant, his own prayer, which is the extra rend, which is the most important one. So heal is kind of an extra like, oh no, this is a get out of jail card. I used it on some fulminators when they were at one wound with a, uh, what's it called? A uh, plague token on them so that they wouldn't die just yeah, to make sure cool. that they would survive that extra piece. Um, By the way, I, I quickly realized I was using a template from a, a last I'm like, you didn't have double battle regiment. I'm, I was waiting for. Oh no no no, no 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 no! I was like, why has he ten drops with double battle regiment? No no, I just quickly fixed that up. So, um, yeah, you good? Yeah, I actually ran uh, expert conquerors, um, ba uh, bounty hunters, and vanguard. And so, uh, expert conquerors are obviously the things that can be extra conquerors here. Those forty block of piece, which counts as you know 120 models when you put them on a a center objective or they can go and beat the other 10, 10 unit, 10 model units. Um, the bounty hunters were the sky wardens, the fulminators and the paladors. Uh, and then in the vanguard was the gun hauler and the prune Lord. Um, just because sometimes you just want to make sure you get that extra six inches on the, the run and you can do it for free. And so sometimes the rune Lord has to keep up with everybody else running. And sometimes it's the gun hauler that has to go and, and get that objective on a far thing with screened out by somebody else. And so that was a couple it. of quick, a couple of quick questions from the chat. 
What about the Frost Heart with a Tome, the Arcane Tome? Do you have any thoughts on... Because that, that's, that's a nice little combination. It's a lot of points, though, that... Uh, was it Frost Heart's, what, three, 400 points somewhere? Yeah, three, 305 and uh, 315, something like that, and then the Tome. Yeah, I actually tried that out a bit. Um, the one thing that it came down to is it doesn't do any damage. Um, sure, you can, you can get off the uh, Ignite Weapons or the uh, Flaming Weapons, but... Its profile degrades so quickly because it's one of the older profiles. Uh, it degrades every three wounds. Yes, you survive the entire game, but for that many points, I needed more damage. I needed it to do more um, than just like be in a spot. And so that's what the Kronspine, you know, does. Uh, it survives for a couple of turns, but does a ton more damage on the output. We we really need the flame phoenix to get an update on the language because i think it only does mortal wounds now on a move um we need it to have an update on like run and run and um and retreat as well yeah because yeah and the other call that i want to make as well gareth making a good comment is you know you look at this and go right well you know i want to kill that rune lord right oh, it's the general it's got a whole bunch yeah. of things but by doing that by killing the cron the the rune lord you actually make the cron spine better and maybe we've kind of danced around this a little bit so the rune lord dies or whoever the cron spines attached to dies what happens to the cron spine and why is it not actually a big risk yeah, so uh, first off, it goes wild, right? And that makes you think in your head, oh, God, it's going to attack the nearest things. And sure, it does that, but only after you control the movement of where it goes. So it gains run and charge. So you run it as close as you can to the enemy that you want it to go after. It has to charge, I believe, it's the nearest uh, unit or nearest endless spell. So just my, um, put yourself in a good spot where you want to do that. But then it gains plus one to hit and plus one to wound, which are massive. It goes to a 2-2 two -two on all of its stats uh, profile. And, and so, it can run and charge as well, right? Yes. It can't, yeah. it can't retreat. It can never retreat, but you can run and charge as well. So the threat range when it goes wild is just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so when we kind of talked earlier, I saw some chat come up, which is the idea of like putting it on a sorcerer or something. It's the catch-22 you give to your opponent. You say, do you want to kill my general and deny me that extra command point and the other pieces? And then if you do so, you get this Kronspine who's about to go nuts on your army. It's almost a way for you to protect a piece while also like having that capability to then let that piece die if you need to. And so it puts, it puts your opponent in a, in a tough choice. And the more tough choices you give an opponent at a competitive level the better you are or the better chance you have of something going your way. One of those choices being made that actually benefits you. And that's why the Tom Guan version of uh, the Kronspine combined with the Battle Mage, if you use something like the Rune Lord or some type of small wizard, you've got to keep within 18 inches of the Kronspine. And because it's just moving forward and getting into combat, you fall out of that um, that 18 inches really easily. But mm. with this uh, move 15 Battle Mage on Griffin, it's very easy to be moving up the board in conjunction, getting the plus one to cast uh, in addition to any other bonuses to cast. So you've got, uh, and like, let's be honest, if I've got a Kronspine and I've got a Battle Mage of Gur both on the table, we know the damage is going to the cron spot. Yeah, yeah. No, everyone's going to ignore the, the wizard griffin. Yep, they're either going to try to snipe it or they're going to be like, all right, well, it can't fight me, so I don't have to worry about it. 
Yeah, damned if you do, damned if you don't. You kill the yeah. wizard, cool. Uh, it goes wild. You don't kill the wizard. I'm going to do my wizardy type things, and there's a lot of cool. Like either way, you you do what you want to do. Um, as Matt's saying, you know, there's pros and cons either way. Yep. But if you didn't have the Cronspine, um, and I know some people are a bit funny about the Cronspine, hell, we've seen some tournaments flat out ban the Cronspine. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you tweak this list if you were going to a tournament that said no Cronspine? Would you bring in, what, Stormcast Dragons, Forminators? Would I you just drop that concept? I, I think I would uh, maybe move into something that has... Uh, either more Alpha Strike potential, I would probably move into the Hallowheart piece, uh, pump up some Dracothian Guard Fulminators, teleport them across the board with a, a Pendant guy, you know, give them full stats set of stuff, and then just let them nuke something, right? Some some combination that plays a different angle. Um, the Cronspine does something in this list that isn't really replicatable uh, if you're trying to do something else. Um, and so you would just kind of have to change out where you're going with it. Yeah. Although Autumn, I, 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 in one side of me wants to say yes. The other side just says pointed appropriately. I think, I think 400 points, we all agree is a little bit cheap. So if it was on the yeah. five, five fifty mark, different story. Uh, and that was just a number I pulled out of my backside. I actually don't know how you'd point it appropriately, but 400 is definitely too cheap. Just like we know purple sun at 70 points is a little bit too cheap. Yeah, and I think when we look at the, the top eight of the Nova and then maybe into the top 16, if you count them all out, I think the top eight had one Cronspine in it. Yeah. And the top 16 had three, maybe four. Um, because some armies cannot afford to take that and still do their strategy um, because it also bans allies from other places. So when you're a Seraphon player and going, I need an assassin, do you take the Cronspine or do you take the Celestin Prime? You can only get one of them. You can't get both. And Daughters of Cain has Marathi. It does the Cronspine thing, uh, but better, right? And then Zinch, which one used it exact same reason way I did, which was go make some space. Hmm. Go give us some space so our casters can sit behind it. Um, so I think that like for the armies that it's working in, it's giving them something they don't have. But I think 450 would be a fair, fair use of it uh, as well. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, I think 450, 500 is, is, is pretty getting close to where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sun, sun is a whole different story. Yeah. <laughs> we, I think, I think, uh, I think, uh, was it, uh, Hammerfest, which is happening right now, uh, in, uh, in Texas, um, they, uh, they've changed purple sun to be d6 mortal wounds i think yeah. it is as opposed to the 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 flat out roller well, he still obviously still does the minus one rend but it's just d6 mortal wounds and i remember it, it's gone through purple sun's gone through a whole bunch of iterations i think mm-hmm. i think it did d6 mortal wounds but against monsters it was 2d6, 2D6 which yeah. was fine like it was pointed yep. 100 points it was fine um i think we might see an adjustment coming up in the near future we're almost at the halfway mark with this ghb and that's when they dropped the hunt yeah. um so there could be some changes coming up, but I think when I look at this, you know, I think one thing I really want to call out here, folks, is that Cities of Sigma, it's tempting to go all in. You go all in on the free guild guard, and it means you've got your your great swords, your swordsmen, your crossbowmen, your handgunners. 
But when you look at this particular list, you haven't gone all in. You've got a bit of Duarte and you've got a bit of Elves. You've got a bit of Stormcast. You've gone in and, and, and tapped in. And I think I did a video like a year, two years ago, and I talked about this internal synergy of, uh, of cities. I look at this and, and look for minimum power pairs. If I go, right, if I'm going to take um, – uh, Phoenix guard, I'm going to at least take an anointed on foot yep. and that's my power pair. And that's how I try to break up my thinking, having at least three threats, if not four threats in my list. And I'm looking for power pairs. So that's where like the, the sorceress on foot will combine well with the dark shards. If you want to have a synergy, you know, you can have some independent threats that the, the forminators and the paladors can act independently. They don't need any support, but that's how I make sense of cities. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's what I was looking at. I, I want a shooting piece, so I want the Rune Lord to go with the Iron Drakes. The Longbeards, I have to have an extra uh, battle line, and that just makes sense there, right? I need yep. something that can do harassments and move. Well, I got a Gun Hauler with the Sky Wardens. They go together. The Fulminators, obviously, they work on independently. The Paladors, kind of the same thing, but with more mobility. And then uh, you've got the two things that are just there to, to pick on stuff. And that's the dark shards to get into position so they just always can shoot uh but mostly it's there to like move very fast that six inch move uh and then still be able to shoot afterwards right they, they can they can do four wounds right to a to a five up save type of thing that's kind of what they're shooting for and then deloria who's like bring your wizard anywhere near me and i will get rid of it and so yeah, she, her area denial is fantastic and because she gets and, and if everyone has looked at the war scroll you if she doesn't move um which obviously includes setup, um, she gets two shots. So yep. she gets an extra attack. So And the plus one to um, hit too, yeah. And the plus one to hit as well. So that's why she worked really well in Living City because you can just drop her um, on the, the, the side of the board if yep. you've got any of those deep striking. Tempest Eye doesn't have that. But you'd get two shots. Were they threes and threes? Yeah, it's threes and, threes and threes, minus two, two damage, uh, double damage against wizards and... Um, uh, wizards and uh, demons, uh, yes. but then if you don't move, plus one to hit, and then if you're within 12 inches of the Rune Lord here with Hawkeye, it's a plus one to wound. So you're sitting at twos and twos, very consistent damage. Yeah, yeah, it's it's when it's happened to me in the past, uh, and mind you, like my opponent was my my mate Dave was shooting my Stormcast, so all my wizards are like a three up armor save. The minus one just didn't get through. But if you're starting to fight like bin chickens, like the Lord of Change or something, it's probably a little bit more squishy. You might find a little bit more valuable um, with the minus one. I think that's probably my only criticism to her, but she's 115 points. I think she actually is at minus two now. Is it uh, minus two? I, I think so. Minus one. Or maybe, or maybe it was because I was like on cover, and maybe I was doing like, yeah, 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 like defense. Like I felt, I felt like that base three up safe. Like yeah. I wasn't really kind of cutting through. But yeah, you're yeah. you're probably right. But but the minus against, two like, against the, the five up save guys, uh, yeah. the, those those heroes get get punished. Yeah, I mean Stormcast, all their wizards are three up. So <laughs> yeah, they're like take four. that out of context. Most yeah. wizards are, are on four at best. Yeah. a couple of them will be big heroes. Um, not nice against Nagash, who's not getting his six up ward as well. <laughs> uh, I know you had an alternative to this, uh, just quickly changed. I know you had, um, yeah, so an alternative version you switched heal to curse, uh, you switched out the paladors to another unit of forminators. Mm -hmm. Um, anything else you I, want to call out? The the dread, the dark shots <laughs> went down to dread spears. I used, I used it mostly for the movement, um, and so there was a lot of times where they were sitting back, uh 
sitting back and not getting, you know, that effort because they had to go and protect the back lines. If I'm doing that, give me my 30 points back, you know, it just gives you a little more flexibility with your list. Um, And then the Palidors, they did okay, um, but I was already moving enough with the Gun Hauler and the Sky Wardens. It was like overkill. And a lot of the times there was this give and take where I would hit them with Fulminators, delete their unit. They would hit me and my Fulminators would be gone. And now I would have to shoot them with something that I was already planning to shoot something else with. To have that second Fulminator come in, like that just trumps the board space. Like, And, you know, against, uh, I think against um, Sons of uh, Bahamut, which I saw a lot more than I expected to see at the, the event, uh, Fulminators are fantastic. Way better in that matchup than uh, Palidors. And it's probably going to be something, especially with Suns getting a new book very soon. We know it's coming. Um, you're going to need to be able to go back into that DPS check because I know some people watching this video will be will be a purist. They'll go, I don't want to go Stormcast. I want to keep within my book. And cool, you do you. Yeah. But who is going to be your hammer? Who's going to be your big damage? I guess the if you're looking at this going, well, I don't want Forminators, then your probably closest is going to be Demigriff Knights. Yeah. But you're going to notice that the output of Demigriff Knights are just not nearly as much. Uh, and yeah, they're a bit tanky, right? You know, the three wounds each. I think it's a three-up armor save uh, before the two-ups and things like that. But if you look at the mortal wound and on the charge, the Forminators do three damage apiece. Yeah. Demis just don't do that. So if you have to go into a Gargant check, um, you need something that's going to do reliable high damage. And unfortunately, we just don't have it. Like the Drakespawn Knights are not going to do it. Your Free Guild General and Griffin's not going to do it. You've got to tap into your ally pool. Or you just completely forget about that strategy and you go into all-end shooting. So you yeah. do your, your crossbows, 30 crossbows who are doing 60 shots. Um, you you look at everything else that can do it because we're just not that good in melee. Yeah, and I think it's because the four up to wound on so many pieces that ends up is the problem is like, yeah, I hit on threes, but you wound on fours on a lot of this stuff where most things across Stormcast are wounding on threes, some wounding on twos, you know, like that, that's the, the big trade-off on the, the piece. Uh, and I think curse was a big change from heal. Um, I didn't have to face any, but I was terrified of facing like a Seraphon thunder lizards and just like, I'm all rend. I'm very little mortal wounds. Um, and the Bastilladon with, all out defense is a nightmare to try to get through with rend. So putting a curse on that and then letting all your shots kind of do the work first, right? Cause the hits then apply the mortal wounds, then you roll the saves. So then the saves go lower and lower. So did you play again against Nighthorn at all? I did. I did not. I played, uh, I was okay against Nighthorn. I think the fulminators, um, do enough against Nighthorn at the, um, bounty hunter level that, uh, you get to the objectives first. Usually Nighthaunt's going to give you the turn because they want to charge you, right? So you mm. get to the objectives first and you can screen out enough that your shooting can start whittling down. Um, but the Fulminators, uh, when they hit a unit, like even if they half it, right? Say you get six through and they half that down to three, that's still 12 damage, right? And then they reduce that to 10 to eight, whatever it is, right? that's still like an entire unit scooped up for the, the ones that are a problem. 
yeah, I, I always try to build uh, a list that have mortal wounds, a good amount of mortal wounds, rend, and volume. So, uh, and, and and probably uh, we struggle with mortal wounds, which is why I talked about uh, swords. Um, my hurricanum has always been good for me, getting the plus one to cast with the the mortal wounds from the storm of Shemtech. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's unreliable if I could got tricks coming because he'll then reduce that that storm of yeah. Shemtech to one mortal wound and probably pass it on a three, but um would you actually include a got track i i know um for a while city's really in got, in, enjoyed him because he's probably another combat monster if you don't want to do you know cron spine you don't want to do forminators um he, oh yeah he can, plays that role i i absolutely see, see him doing it especially in, in matchups that are the um uh the the storms uh sons of bahamut matchup like i think he's probably better than the cron spine in that matchup um, but the, you, you know, the Lighthawk thing makes me think, and it's one of the reasons I, I took it this way, uh, the grapple launchers and the cron spine prevent retreat. And mm. so the idea is to, you know, you can get the Nighthawk stuck and then they can't move because their whole thing is retreat, charge again, right? You can lock them down. Um, and if they can't retreat and charge, uh, there, there are a lot of threes and fours, fours and threes, whatever it is, right? For their, their piece, um, they get a lot of their bonus from that charge uh, allegiance ability. Yeah, and, and and Scarlet Doom, if they take that, which is the most popular uh, of their sub factions, do mortals on the charge as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the Cronspine's perfect for tying that up. Um, yeah, um, is there anything else you'd add? I mean, again, this is the beautiful thing about cities is that if you don't like KO, there's a lot of different options, and we've talked about like what makes this list come to life. Um, you know, like obviously having some deep striking ability coming in from reserve helps us score battle tactics, lets us get into some, because like we don't have a lot of long range threats, you know, at best, most of our stuff is medium range threats. Yep. We have medium range damage. We have medium range wizards. <laughs> yeah. um, everything's medium. So if you pull through your ally pool, awesome. If not stay in your lane, no problem. You can build a free guild list with a free guild general with, you know, handgunners, crossbowmen, swordsmen, if you want to build around the what we used to see, like the the Rune Lord, um, with the what was the combination where we had? The, you had if you want to do bridge with the you know, oh, yeah, yeah, bridge, bridge, bridge Iron Drakes and Rune Lord, yeah. There's there's a cool version which is like Warden King Iron Breakers or no Warden King Hammerers, uh, and then send them forward. So you're like, all right, I've got sixty attacks. That's ten mortal wounds flat off the top, right? And then all the hits. So there's like. There's some fun ways to get some some changes up. If you're like, I don't want fulminators, you can still find ways uh, to do that. I just prefer the the ten inch move. Question, actually, Ian's reminded me of this. So thanks, Ian. Two, two thumbs up from a two by two fulminator list. But I'm sure some people are thinking, well, why not a unit of four? Pros uh, and cons, right? They're better. Yeah. You could get a better rally. You could hit harder. I, I, I the two reasons for me specifically. I want a fulminator on either flank um, to be able to protect either flank for which it's coming. Uh, if I put four, they can send small units into it. They can screen it better. Um, and like you said earlier, horror gas is a thing now, right? And horror gas is terrifying if you lose a couple fulminators and have a loss in some uh, bravery, right? You don't want to rely on 230 points getting picked up if you roll a four plus. Like mm. if they're giving you some bravery negatives, it's, that's kind of, kind of scary. Um, but yeah, the, the ability to also send one, uh, hit, get hit back and then send the next one after 
to finish that up. Uh, every, every, I think, uh, game is going to come down to the trades that you make. Are you trading up each time or are you trading down? Are you trading for position? Um, and so each trade, uh, you want to have something that you're going to be able to follow up with. And I think that's why I go two by two versus one by four. And, you know, like there's other cool options. Like there's still, like there's so many great things, you know, like I, I think about this list, you know, if I want movement shenanigans and I want to take KO, I could be using, um, uh, I could be like tapping into some anvil guard type, type strategies or even mm -hmm. using um, the gyrocopters. I could be using gyrocopters yeah. as, as cheap movement type um, shenanigans. There's stuff that's internally, but it's just unfortunate that things outside of our book are just better yeah, um, and the way true. coalition and the irony of it all is like the way that coalition works for us is a little bit different to the way coalition works for for chaos. So we we do get some 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 little boost with the yeah. the, the keyword bingo. Um, but talk to me about deployment. You know, as we kind of wrap this up, and we've got a few I've got a few extra questions I want to ask. But how do you deploy as a cities player? Um, because I know for me, synergy is is key. It's making sure because there's so much internal synergy and, and keywords. You got to really think about that. But what 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 advice would you give me with deployment? I think for this list in deployment, right? Because every list is kind of deploys a little different for what it is. Uh, being a ten drop, um, you get to see what the battle regiments are doing, right? They set it up. You know what their initial kind of push is going to be, um, and so you counter that push with the crossbine. You say, okay, crossbine. I'm going to set you in front of this giant thing that's going to come at me. Okay, now they have to make a decision. Are they going to go back or forth from that? Um, next level is the set of screens, right? I want to deploy the set of screens that I know that I'm going to have to move first. So when I think of deployment, I say, okay, I need to first block what my opponent's going to do. Um, and so that's maybe putting the Rune Lord in to make sure that it gets into deny range, right? Into uh, unbind range, right? Making sure those are, are set up well. Uh, the next is screen, right? How am I going to stop them from doing the piece they're going to do? And then after that is what am I going to do next, right? If I'm going to let them hit this screen, am I going to have my guys close enough to unleash hell? Or with like iron jaws, right? I unleash hell on one of them, but they kill it with the stomp, the, say the uh, maw crusher, and he just piles into me anyways. So I'm like, okay, so maybe I need a second level of screen or maybe I need something else. Uh, and then a lot of the times I personally um, use those teleporting units, this one in particular, these Sky Wardens and the um, things, to zone out the back line, right? I can be patient with them. They have a 24-inch range for shooting. I can sit them back there. I can make my opponent deploy his things in bad spots where they're not going to be effective. Uh, it happened with um, Stormcast Eternals. They had two sets of dragons in the sky waiting to come down and wreck my back, back line. And I'm like, okay. Well, for the first two turns, I'm not going to do anything with these, right? So on turn three, he's feeling the pressure and he has to bring them down. We make some positive trades, right? I'm in a better position at the end of it. And then I move my guys down the line, take the objectives, do the piece that they need to do. Um, so I'm always thinking that how do I block my opponent first from doing their strategy, right? Then how do I protect myself so I can do my strategy? And then what am I going to do on my next turn? that I'm setting it up. Yeah, no, I like, there's a lot, there's a lot, uh, I hope cities players like pause that, rewind it, go back. There's a lot of good things. And like, I love the psychology of, look, you don't need to be one drop because you're not alpha aggressive. Your yeah. spells aren't going to be in range. So who goes first, who goes second, doesn't really matter usually for cities. Um, 
one thing I really enjoy as well is that the alternative to what you just said with like the, say the cron spine is I don't deploy it first. I could deploy it last, especially if people are like three drops, two drops, one drop, go cool. You drop your whole thing. I'll, exactly. I'll drop, I'll drop aether wings. I'll drop a unit of free guild guard. Cool. Drop your whole army. And they're like, Oh, where's he going to put the cron spine? What's he going to do? Where's the threats going to be? And you can really throw somebody off as you piecemeal, uh, around and look for their weaknesses and then go, right, well, this is how I'm going to kind of handle it. So battle regiment yeah. isn't always the the best way to, and uh, it's why it's not, never been an auto, automatic pick for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and, and Matt in the chat's perfect example. And I think probably why I love cities the most is I'm a counter play type player. I love to see the battlefield go, right, the battle plan, the opponent, you know, the scoring conditions, how does my army respond? And I talked about this being a utility type army mm -hmm. we're perfect for reaction yes so we play it and we trade up we trade up because most always of our trade up are cheap. always so, trade up but most of our people are so cheap like it's easy yeah. to trade up so it's not yep. reliable a <laughs> uh, couple of other questions i guess is how do i beat you if i'm playing against cities or if or i guess the counter to that would be if i'm a cities player how do i not lose like what's the things i need to protect or what are the things that i need to watch out for i think the thing that i lost the most to was impatience um there was a lot of times playing cities where like you want to use the things you have um because you're like oh i can do damage i can take out this unit blah blah, blah. and then you get like all excited and you do it yeah, but that may should have been maybe done next turn, not this turn, right? So the things that I lose to uh, were specifically the things that do what I do better, which were the Seraphon and the Daughters of Cain, Bow Snakes. So the only one I lost to was Bow Snakes, um, and she made top eight uh, with it. And so um, they have a 24-inch range. They move more than me. They shoot twice. They do mortal wounds. So I was like, okay, I can get rid of them if I can do this thing and that. And so I aggressively pushed, did damage, they rally, I'm in a great position, except if I don't win the priority. So then as I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, cool, if it's my turn next, I do this and I'm in a great spot. But because I was so aggressive and trying to like make as much impact because of what they had, it mispositioned me for the double turn to come. And so if I would have just took it a little slower, I could have racked up, you know, four or five more points. I was on the objectives. They're a very castly army. They got to move out. Like, let them spread out. Let them break up their things. Like, just because I had won the game before that on turn two, like, killed all of the stuff, did all that. Like, it was really aggressive to beat Chaos Knights by being aggressive, like, getting in there, getting there, screening them out. Daughters of Cain plays so different. You have to change your mindset on each time. But be patient. Be patient with the things you have because like it may look good for the piece but like if you can't think of what you're going to do next with that piece like don't make that move yet and so that's where i was like all right this is what i need to be doing so that helped a lot as i went into the nurgle matchups i went back to back nurgles uh, which is all about playing for board position one was um i think it was 70 no 50 50 or 60 plague bearers and the other one was a ton of flies and blight kings so like yeah. two totally different separates but like that's the time when you got to play slower you got to like think about your piece this move and your next move um so yeah that's kind of i think patience be patient with it and if you want to beat me 
like, let's get excited, let's have fun. And then I'm like, oh, crap, we're just, we're just doing it. How, how, do you, how do you think about, because that's one thing that probably, I'm going to pull us back for a second, because a lot of people can struggle at times because, and you hear when people say, I lost the game because of a double turn. And it's not that you lost the game because of double turn. Double turn has been happening since the dawn yeah. of time in Major Sigma, right? It's it, it's it's about you overextended your hand being too aggressive and you didn't think about the defensive play. You didn't think about how did I set myself up in case I fail to win the priority role? Um, or you put too much of your optimism in one role yeah. and your strategy craps, you know, crumbles. So how, how, how as a city's player do you prepare for the double turn or how do you make sure that you don't put yourself, you've overextended, you haven't put yourself in a bad spot where your opponent can overcapitalize. Yeah, I think it's use those cheap units that you talked about. Like sometimes the trade is the time and the tempo that it's causing. Um, and so those cheap units, those 85 point units, those 100 point units that are those early screens, like use those to get you that flexibility if the turn is gonna go your way or not go your way. Right? So don't throw away your units for a, a thing now um, because you can still get more points out of them later. Uh, so think think about that with cities is the idea that like, oh, I might retreat now and I just might set up and wait. I might, you know, go to the objective, but I'm not going to charge. I'm going to just stand there. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to outbody them. Right. So a lot of the times it might feel like you're you're wasting a unit, but by not doing a thing that you may not trade properly with, like we'll give you that tempo that in case the double turn doesn't go your way, you minimize the effects that it's going to do to your core pieces of your army. Yeah. I, I think a lot about positioning, you know, pre like pre measuring to go, right. Well, if I was to lose this, lose this priority role, um, it is a, 12 inch gap between us so their movement is five that means it's a seven inch charge and you start looking at the maths or going well you know i'm gonna i need to make sure that when i move my hero it's still going to be uh behind a line of sight blocking terrain or it's in cover or as you mentioned instead of moving the full distance and trying to set up for a charge maybe just move on to the objective and instead of being at the front of the objective be in the center yeah. And it's a, a couple of extra inches that's going to make your opponent's charge or movement a little bit harder, but it's also a guarantee you've got the most amount of bodies. And if you had to redeploy, you still got your bodies on the yeah. objective. So um, I think there's a lot of really good, anything else you'd add to that? Cause it's one thing because uh, cities don't take a punch very well. And there is a lot of, in, you, you are thinking a couple of turns in advance with this and it's not big brain kind of no, no, no. 40 chess, but you have a lot of tools playing a lot of different ways. So you need to use your tools appropriately. Yeah, that, that's what it is. Uh, and I think what you brought up with the redeploy piece, like cities is very primed to use redeploy uh, by having these units that can come up, can get in the way, right? And then force your opponent to them. Your opponent wants to get real close, but you can use these type of command uh, abilities, the rally, the redeploy, the unleash hell, like think about these where you're going to maximize those, those basic ones that aren't all out attack, all out defense. Um, so you can use those to make those tools just a little bit better because everything in, in cities has a role it fills and trying to use it outside of that role is usually how we end up doing it wrong. 
Yeah. I mean, that's talking as well, like, you know, knowing, you know, practice and obviously doing some maths hammer helps you understand probability, which is, which is key. But the other thing as well, I do a lot of, especially because again, I talked to, I run a lot of free guild guards. So I'm running blocks of twenties and thirties, right? So when I'm pulling out, well, I, I guess it depends on what I want to do. If I want to lock somebody in combat and I've got like an inspiring presence up my sleeve, the way I pull models out is from the back no. in order to keep them locked into combat and deny them. So if I lose the priority role, cool, you're still in combat at least for a turn, happy days. But if I if I want to be a bit more aggressive, then I'll pull the models out of combat so that if I win it or I know that I'm going to, you know, I'm going second in the battle round, then I've pulled enough models out that I'm outside of three that I can now do a rally because I've set myself up. So there's a lot of thinking, a lot of ideas, um, at least I found with, yeah. with cities. Because I'm, I'm running, like, I'm not running Stormcast where I've got five models. I'm running 20, 30, 15. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're also usually running more units too, right? So you're thinking of like, okay, how can I maximize these units? Uh, sometimes that's the most powerful thing is to have you know, your opponent has five units that can kill your entire army and you've got 10 units that can make their life just real annoying, right? They have to make a decision every single time to maximize those five while you have to make those decisions harder and harder for them to make. One other thing that I do, I don't know if you do this, but again, because I'm running like five wound heroes that are supporting again, 10 to 20 type models, I'm always very careful of where I put my my, my little five wound hero. And I'm always pre-measuring to make sure that it's three and a bit inches away from the yes. enemy, right? So, I'll, so yes. my hero will be three inches um, in range of my troops, but then the base difference between my, my, my unit is three and a half. So no matter what your opponent can do, I'm blocking it off from doing any damage. Cause that's, yep. that's, I, I, it's happened to me too many times where I've had my hero base to base to my troops. The enemy comes in with a two or three inch attack. It fights over, kills that key yeah. piece. That was key buff, keep whatever. Um, and then the, the unit cr crumbles because they've got crap bravery. Um, they just don't do what they need to yeah. do. And uh, I, I lose too much in the trade. Yeah. I think if the five wound heroes are in combat, something's gone wrong. And like you, you got to fight your way out of it at that point, but don't put them in the situations that's like going to get them there. Final question, Nick, and uh, we'll kind of wrap this up. Uh, this has been a great discussion and any, Thanks. anyone knows I talk cities until the cows come home. I love <laughs> cities. I love cities. It's um, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned about Dawnbringers. Not that I'm freaking out, but I have, I have that empire -y type feel. I love the mm -hmm. mustaches. I love the puffy shirts. I love, you know that and I, I i do wonder what dawnbringers will do i i have a prediction that maybe dawnbringers will be like stormcast where you have like signs of the storm and, and stormkeep and whether you want to be because cities of sigma is about building the, the cities of sigma it's yeah. a defensive type of army and i wonder if the dawnbringers which are go outside and go fight for the mortal realms is more of the offensive and maybe that's how they restructure i don't know I, that's my prediction but i don't actually know What's the final, what's one thing we can add to this faction? Uh, we talked a little bit about monsters. Um, is there anything else you want, we want to add to, 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 to this particular army? I think uh, it's one thing that's going to end up being like probably the most controversial piece of the change is like the identity that is able to be like coherent across all of cities. Right now, uh, that's 
both the, the, the thing that's lacking, right? Each city is independent. It doesn't feel like cities of Sigmar, right? It feels like a bunch of things. Um, like in other books, you have very coherent things that feel like they all click together in some way. Um, but also at the same time, that could be one of the, the core like Allegiant defining pieces. Because right now the Allegiant defining pieces we have are you can take Stormcast and your general doesn't die or gets good good advice, right? It's like, like there can be something where Dawnbringers can give an identity or at least start shaping a identity to what cities is. Um, cities becomes empowered by Sigmar or whatever it is to be his will, his hand for the the repopulation while while Stormcasts are the hunt down the big baddies, right? And so, you know, there's there's a lot of chances in there where it can become something else, but at the same time, I hope it doesn't lose the spirit that it has, which is a bunch of disparate factions coming together to defend their homes against what's out there. You see, it's interesting you say that because I'm the complete opposite. I want unity. Like when I look at, like I, I look over the fence to Imperial Guard and there's, you know, there's the Catachins and there's different types of fields, right? They're the yep. humans of the of the, the Imperium, but there's a different flavor. When I look at a Cities of Sigmar army, Hello Heart doesn't feel any different to Tempest Eye, to, to Anvil Guard. And I don't know how they do that. You know, I don't know yeah. if it means that there's upgrade sprues and and, and kits and bits oh, that yeah, you can possibly cool. do to to have, you know, some like I'm not saying to redesign the entire line that Dewarden look like elves that look like, you know, it's just the size, but it's like, how can I unify them with a shield? How can I unify them with headdresses or something that makes Hallow Heart feel Hallow Hearty? But then yeah. I have Tempest Eye, which feels Tempest Eye. That that to me is what I would love to see in whatever Dawnbringers brings to the table, and and maybe it is shields like that, that shields and some iconography like they've yeah. done with forty k. Yeah, it could be. I think that'd be pretty cool. Something that brings it across that isn't just like a paint scheme or something else, right? Yeah, like paint schemes don't mean anything. It's not like forty k <laughs> with Space Marines, right? Like no. blue is in, you know in, uh, Ultramarines, and like like my cities doesn't change. It doesn't. You can never tell. Yeah, but Nick, if people want to talk, this has been great. Again, we keep talking about this till cows come home. I love cities, um, and I I hope and pray that this bad boy comes back. Please, yeah, please, please. I mean, cool. oh, oh, so good. I, I miss my Walter. If people wanted to talk to you, are you online anywhere? Twitter, Facebook, Discord? No, but you, uh, just hiding. Any any event, uh, feel free to come up, say hi. Uh, we'll talk cities. We'll talk Warhammer. We'll talk whatever it is to be. Um, love love the game, love the people. So I think that was the biggest thing that I, I felt Nova had was the camaraderie, bringing that back. So feel free to come up, say hi, make connections. You come to LVO? I would like to. We're going to see. Come. I'll <laughs> see you there. All right. I'll see you there. Nick, this has been awesome. Thank you, everyone, in the chat. Thank you, patrons. You're all legends. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope um, we brought up something a little bit different. We've had a couple of different discussions on Living City and Phoenician, and there's been a whole bunch of cities discussions. And I think, you know, my closing comment would be, is to look at your book with fresh eyes now that Living City has gotten a bit of a change. We've had new War Scrolls, the Hexbane we've talked a little bit about, love it. I think we've got an emerging meta of dragons. We have ogres, we have, um, what, Lumineth and Zench coming up pretty soon, let alone Chaos. 
So I think now is a good time to relook at your list and go, well, you know, is it time for Hello Heart? Is it time for Tempest Eye? Is there units that might be anti-magic like the Anointed or the Rune Lord or something that you, like, is the Luminarch, is it good now to bring back the Luminarch for its plus one to unbind? And it has that 30-inch shot. It's a good time to revisit. I think there's a lot of a lot of great things we can unpack. But Nick, you're a legend. Thank you, chat. Thank you so much for joining. If you watch this on the replay, thank you. And um, chat to you all again soon. Thank you. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video, as well as left me a comment to let me know what your thoughts are. The conversation will continue over on Discord and the link is down below in the video description. I want to give a massive shout out as well to the AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members who are going in and the funds are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you're all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a one on a redeploy.